The final Furlong podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org. 18 plus. The final Furlong podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the final Furlong podcast. I'm Emmett Kennedy, joined by At The Races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. And from RTE, and now one of our most popular guests, not a week goes by that we don't get tweets saying, when's Jane coming back on the show? Will she returns today? RTE's Jane Mangan. Very good introduction. Thank you very much. You, <laughs> Lies. You can, you can pay me that 50 later, Jane. <laughs> no problem at all. No, you have been a going down a storm. And um, actually, we're going to be chatting to Nick Luck about the Breeders' Cup during the week. How did you enjoy your debut on Look on Sunday? Yeah, it was lovely. It was lovely to be asked. Um, I, I met Nick here um, in Tipperary a couple of months ago and he uh, he's a very knowledgeable person. I know everybody can say he's a great presenter, but he's got um, layers of knowledge that mm. is rare. Um, and I, I just thought it was it was a pleasure to be around him. I feel like you'd learn something from him um, just having a conversation. So it was lovely to be asked. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. He's an absolute gentleman. Uh, he will be part of the NBC team, which will be showed live, exclusively live, and at the races for the Breeders' Cup 2018. And Nick will join us tomorrow for a Breeders' Cup special alongside Kevin uh, as well. So looking forward to that. And Peter T. Fornital is back on Wednesday. So we'll get the American take on the Breeders' Cup as well. Um, Cannot wait for that. It should be a lot of fun. Um, Aidan O'Brien is going to be sending over a strong team as per usual and he won another group one at the weekend magna grecia uh, getting the job done in the let's get the name of this race right for friend of the show john dance the vertum futurity trophy stakes group one doesn't quite roll off the tongue but i do like the name and fair play to him for stepping in at the last minute and sponsoring a group one that badly needed to be sponsored jane what was your take on the supplemented Magna Grecia, how impressed were you? Well, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a mind blowing performance by any stretch of the imagination, but it's important to remember Magna Grecia had his first start um, on the 30th of September, so he's done three runs in a, in a very short space of time, and I really liked. You know, it's unusual for one of Aidens to win first time out and to win up naces. He did. You know, everybody kind of pricked their ears, and I was thinking maybe this horse is a bit different. Then, of course, he went to the autumn stakes and, and ran quite green. And I thought, you know, he was doing all his best work at the end there when he was second to that highly touted Persian king of under Farbs. So it was no surprise when he was uh, supplemented for this race. And, you know, this was a an end-to-end gallop. This was a true test. But, of course, Aidan set it up to be a true test because he, he had the, the, the pacemaker in Western Australia. And when Michael Hussey kicked three furlongs out, I thought, oh, geez, this is going to be a a real war of attrition to get home. All of a sudden, two furlongs out, Dunica was five furlongs down, uh, but he didn't panic. Um, I'd say he thought maybe the leaders would come back quicker than they did. They didn't stop. They didn't stop by any stretch of the imagination because the pacemaker still finished um, third, only beaten, what, three quarters of a length or something. So um, Magna Grisha was looking an unlikely winner a furlong down, but 
like he did in the autumn stakes. He did all his best work in the final furlong. And I know he only won by a real short margin, but I thought it was a really admirable performance from a horse that looked like he wasn't going to get there. And at the line, I thought the further he was going to go, the easier he'd have won. Just to briefly touch on that line that you used about Dunica and him not panicking, um, he's, he's been a good jockey, but he's been an elite jockey this season. He's really come alive. And, and Kevin traces that back to his Guineas win on Saxon Warrior. But he, he doesn't panic. He's cool as a cucumber now. And um, he will have suffered the same as, as Joseph, that, oh, you're only winning because you're on your father's horses. And so anytime he wins, there's not as much credit necessarily given to him. And anytime he's beaten, it's, it's his fault and his fault only. But he's, mm. he's very mature for his age. He's, he's pretty stylish for a big guy. And you'd never have a moment's worry having Dunnick O'Brien on the horse. No, I, I actually think, um, look, obviously they don't get the credit they deserve because of who they are, right? But Donica wins on an awful lot of Joseph's horses in handicaps around regular tracks in Ireland. Mm. And to be honest, they take a lot more riding sometimes than a straight mile at Doncaster. Um, you know, obviously they're used to high pressure situations and it, it is a big advantage when you see them sitting in the stalls and they look like they could be in the Maiden in Wexford. You know, it's it's amazing. And uh, I think Joseph was so laid back as well, you know, when he was riding those favourites in Epsom derbies, you know, it, those things could cause you to kick too soon or, you know, to do make some stupid decisions. But like I said, like he could have got stuck into Magna Grecia two furlongs out and made up the ground all of a shot. But to be honest, I, I know it's it's easy to say this, but he knows that it's all about next year for this horse. And I know he got a hard race in the end, but he would have learned so much and he learned so much in Newmarket as, as well the last day that really stood to him. So it's all about progression and, you know, the Tabers, the Smiths and the Magners, you know, they're, they're all about the classics and, you know, the, the, the virtual fraturity is, is an important race and it's important for a horse to win a group two as a two-year-old or group one as a two-year-old. But it's all about next year and I think you're going to see a different Magna Grecia next year I don't think he'll be winning ahead next year I think he'd be better in terms of distance what do you see being the ideal trip from could he be a guineas horse or could it just be a case of that they run him in the guineas en route to the derby oh I don't think he'll go much further than a mile um, I know he's out of a Galileo mare but he's invincible spirit yeah. he's not slow I think they'll paint him as a, a guineas horse, train him like a guineas horse and leave the horse, tell him if he wants to go further. Like obviously there's some lovely races over 10 furlongs for three-year-olds, but do you know, they have a they have a, a quick horse in 10 sovereigns. They might have a guineas horse in Magna Grecia and they're not short of derby contenders in the other bracket either. So I think they have all bases covered for next year. So when you think about it, Kevin, Quarto, too darn hot, Magna Grecia in the mix now as well. It's building up to be a really, really exciting first classic of the season. Break down your assessment of this race for us. No, I liked him. I, I, I repeat a lot of what Jane says, that this horse has squeezed an awful lot in to a very, very short space of time. Um, his inexperience was evident in the autumn stakes, I thought, in the, in the middle part of the race. So, um, there was still an element of that here. You know, he just needed a, a, a trivia long at times. Um, but it, you know, this was a very well-run race, and he had a bit of a task um, on two furlongs out, and 
briefly, just briefly, um, Western Australia was kind of coming back on top of him and Phoenix of Spain was coming in on him and Donica had to be a bit aggressive with him to to make sure ensure that he got a clear run. But I was quite impressed with him. And look, they, they finished in a bit of a heap. Um, he's only one ahead. but uh, And it's probably a substandard renewal of this race, I think you'd have to say. But um, I think he'll be clearly the best of these next season. Uh, I thought it was a lovely step in his progression. You know, he's... He's two from three now, and he's learned an awful lot in the space of a month. Um, I'd be with Jane. This is a guinea's horse. I wouldn't be thinking. Um, it wouldn't be beyond the realms that he could get 10, but I certainly wouldn't be thinking Derby with him. God, it'd be a, it'd be a sensation if an invincible spirit could stay a mile and a half at the very highest level, I think. It's, it's not impossible. Um, like Lawman won, won a, a pre de jockey club. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's not, it's, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be bamboozling, but it wouldn't be typical. Um, even with the, the being out of a Galileo mare, hmm. um, I, I'd imagine they'll start him off in the guineas and uh, and, and go to mile roof until he tells them he, he wants to go 10 if, if if he ever tells them at all. But I like this. Yeah, he's a nice horse. He's, I think he's 16 to 1 for the guineas. And this is a, a particularly good year. I think you'd have to say a good crop. Um, but he, he's entitled to be up there, I think. He's, he's a nice horse that, that will only do better next year, I'd say. And the fact that Phoenix of Spain was back in second and he'd given too darn hot a race not so long ago, that adds a bit of substance to the form as well. Uh, are you worried about Western Australia being up there? Circus Maximus did not live up to the very lofty expectations that I was expecting from him, basically. He ran, all, he ran all, well. He all, ran well. Yeah, but he didn't place, though, Kevin, so he cost me money. All he had to I do was place. Did. I thought he did hit in the line, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought he was gonna gonna place as well. Um, and and Turchidev for John Gosden the Tory just never really seemed to be at home. But then again, he might just have been the price he was based on his connections more so than anything else. But this is this is a horse you would imagine that Aidan O'Brien will be getting excited about over the winter. Yeah, look, and, and Aiden, in terms of a, of a Guinea's prospect, you know, it, it's still a bit murky. You know, I think 10 Sovereigns, we know he's he's potentially brilliant, but will he stay a mile? Um, Anthony Van Dyke, bit disappointing in the Dewhurst, you'd have to say. We'll have another spin uh, in the Breeders' Cup later this week, um, but has a little bit to prove at the minute, mm. um, I think it's fair to say. And, and you've this guy who, who's done very little wrong, and doesn't have maybe a sexier profile as a 10 sovereigns, but you know, he's getting there and he's come a long way in a short space of time. And um, while I don't think he'll be, the, he'll be the one that people are really chit chatting about over the winter um, come the springtime. Um, if he's doing everything that he should be doing at home and everything else, I, I suspect he could be one that the closer we get to new market, people might, might um, come around to him a little bit more, you know? Yeah. And Jane, in terms of classic contenders for Aidan O'Brien next season, because it's always fascinating to talk about them from the anti-Bose perspective, would he be your idea of their number one guineas horse now? Um, good question. He probably is, uh, but I don't, I don't see him beating a two-darn hat. Um, obviously, it depends on how they progress over the winter. I don't see ten sovereigns being trained for guineas. I think he's. He's going to have a sprint campaign. Hopefully, that's the way they go with him. Commonwealth Cup, sure. Um, 
Absolutely, yeah. I think he's so much pace. I don't think they'd want to stretch him to a mile. Uh, stand corrected on that, obviously. Um, but yeah, like this horse has done very little wrong. I thought, I thought he only acquitted himself with more credit when he got beaten in the market. Um, I didn't, I didn't hear all, you know, great vibes. Um, because everybody, you know. When you see Aiden with a scat daddy or Galileo, people just they shorten up the odds all of a sudden, and it was unusual to see uh, an invincible spirit in their colours. And um, it must it really bodes for the fact that he was an oil painting that they couldn't leave the sails without him. Uh, mm. um, I honestly, I honestly don't know. I think it it, it is it is a, a time next year's three rows are spread a bit. John Gosden has a right handle on them. More so, we'd often say Aiden has the chocolate factory over the road, whereby he has so many sweets to choose from. <laughs> I think they're they're a bit more spread out this this coming winter, um, and it'll make for good, some good racing next year because they'll clash. Um, mm. So look, I, I I wouldn't, I am not dissing any horse, but obviously two down hot is the standout horse for next year. Oh, big time, big time. Um, Kevin, for you, who's the standout juvenile and is Magna Grecia the number one for Valley's Oil? Um, in terms of a guineas horse, it wouldn't shock me at all if Magna, Magna Grecia ends up being the number one, um, just for, for reasons we've outlined. Uh, what's the standout? Oh, it's a strong year. Uh, too darn hot is the obvious answer, but um, I, I wouldn't like to be knocking Quarto too quickly. Mm. Um, you know, Callings, the ability is all there as well. If he can come back and put it all together, um, Persian King is a horse I, I still very much like, perhaps maybe over uh, more middle distances than a mile. Uh, and there's a few lurkers there as well. You know, Mad Moon, we better mention him, he's looked very good. Now, this is a this is a real good bunch, I think, and I just hope they all make it through the winter in one piece and we can look forward to them all meeting um, in, in, at Newmarket in may or whenever it is i assume it's may and uh, a little bit later in the season as well yeah big time. it's hel- it's healthy that they're all in such different houses because you know that's what made the dewhurst so intriguing this year mm. because we had a bunch of different horses different profiles different sets of colors um and all going to be running against each other and that's not all that common at the moment mm. so if that happens next spring in uh, in the guineas it'll make for a proper classic Here, here. Well said, Jane Mangan. Well said. Uh, Another race that has potential uh, to have an effect on a classic is the uh, Criterium de Saint-Cloud at uh, Saint-Cloud, surprisingly. Uh, It's um, four four juveniles over 10 furlongs. And Sydney Opera House was given a a big mention by Kevin Blake on the podcast in our weekend preview. And he sent me a text saying, actually, I should, say, I should confirm exactly what it was. He sent me a WhatsApp saying, shit, I thought he had it. Um, <laughs> just done in by the pesky Stevan Pasquier. Um, and Wondermont, who, uh, who managed to, to get up. He did look like he was going to win, Kev. And he did come from money. Um, I've already been slagged for the pronunciation of Miguel Barcelona, but I'll go with it again. Um, no- Norway was a was a terrible disappointment, but what did you make of the of the front two? Um, 
Yeah, look, we we discussed the Zetland, you know, last week. It was just a funny race, and I was reluctant to kind of to, to hold to take it literally. And to be fair, this was a much more truly run contest. And Sydney Opera House just did what Sydney Opera House does and will continue to do. He just stays and he stays and he gallops and he gallops. So I would see him as a ledger horse for next year, um, most certainly. Uh, he'll just gallop all day long, and he, he produces a very honest effort. To be fair to him here, and he's just got nudged off um, by wonderment at a filly and a daughter of Camelot. You know, the Camelot's season just gets better and better. Having a Group One winning two-year-old is, is a big feather in 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 his cap as a sire. And uh, it wasn't the easiest one to see coming. Perhaps had run well at Shanti the time before over nine. Um, clearly the step up to 10 was a big help to her and you'd imagine she'd very much be a, a 12 furlong plus filly next season um, you know Camelot is really stamping them for stamina you know which isn't a surprise he was not he was an unusually quick son of Monju um, one of the quickest um, sons or daughters he ever had really um, at, at the to- at the highest level and um, but it, it's not a big surprise that, it, that the stamina from Monju is really coming through, and a lot of a lot of his progeny, they stay very well. And he's just had an unbelievable year, to be fair to him. Mm. And um, denied Australia his first Group One winner with Sydney Opera House. That would have been a big one for Australia. Um, much like Camelot and his first bunch of two-year-olds, he had he's had a few get in the mix in Group Ones: the Western Australia, Sydney Opera House, um, Broom. But he hasn't had a mountain of winners. But a bit like Camelot, you'd expect them to take a nice step up next season. Um, but th- this fella would have been a boost if, if this fella had won for him. But it, it ran a very honest race. Wonderment will be a lovely filly for you know the French Oaks and all those obvious races next year. Um, she wasn't an expensive filly, Wonderment. I think she she only cost something like sixty grand as a yearling. You know, which which isn't uh, which isn't a big price. Uh, for for a Camelot, even even at that stage of his career, um, so yeah, good luck, good luck to her going forward. Sydney Opera House, like I say, will probably be a horse that'll run in the Derby, but will, you know, be very much a ledger horse. Kevin, just before I move on to Jane and get her thoughts on the race, um, the fact that uh, Australia hasn't had the season that Camelot has had. Will that affect breeders' mindsets next year uh, when they're looking at the sales? Um, they're at different stages. Like this time, you know, Camelot is a year ahead of Australia. And um, this time last year, Camelot was in a not dissimilar spot. He'd had a few nice horses, but some would have considered his first two-year-olds a little bit of a disappointment. And there might be some that will consider Australia's first two-year-olds a little bit of a disappointment, but I wouldn't read it that way. Um, both of them with their profiles, you'd always have expected their progeny to to improve from two to three. Um, and you know, while it might be asking a bit much of Australia to have to have quite the leap forward that Camelot has had this season, um, it's entirely possible it could happen. Um, I've talked about it before in the pod. You know, I think with the Australias, I would very much expect them to to improve with racing. Um, if they're anything like him, you know, I know he was quite sharp and forward himself, but in terms of his temperament, he was unusually um, laid back um, to, to the point of being a lazy slob, really. Um, so if that starts coming through in his progeny, I'd expect a good few of them will wake up um, with racing and uh, with the pedigree that he had, you know, by Galileo out of Ouija board, you know, he, they can surely only improve from two to three, but, but time will tell. 
Um, the horse to finish third is called Foxtel. I'm sure at the time his billionaire owner, Fishai, was very, very pleased with that run. And little did we know, um, or in indeed he would know, that um, he would lose his life in the most tragic of circumstances um, as his helicopter crashed uh, outside of the Leicester Stadium. Um, people have called the, the pilot a hero because he managed to avoid civilians and avoid... He knew it was going to go down and he, he set it down um, in, in an area that it would cause no hurt to um to anybody on the ground but at the same time knowing that he wouldn't be able to save those on board and um we've had a laugh and a joke about king power racing and the last minute investments that they've made before royal ascot but vishai and i'm not even going to attempt his second name because i would just insult his entire family if i did try to but um he gave a lot to racing. He was clearly very, very passionate about it. Um, he spent a huge amount of money on it, and he had uh, a number of various different trainers that he was involved with as well. So it's not just football that's going to miss him and, and Leicester City, uh, who he delivered a Premier League title for, but racing will miss him as well because uh, he was becoming... An, each year he was getting more and more involved and becoming a bigger supporter of it and um, a huge blow his passing um, I'm sure he was very proud of his horse on, on Saturday but um, a real tragedy that uh, he lost his life and um, anybody in racing connected to him uh, our sympathies are with you because he just seems to have been an absolute gentleman um, Jane, your thoughts on the Criterium de Saint-Cloud. Uh, Vandermont getting the better of Sydney Opera House. Yeah, look, it was quite a, a deflating race to watch. I thought going into the race, just the way that Seamus Heffernan had uh, spoken about Norway after the Zetland, you know, I think, um, uh, I'm not sure who was, who was interviewing him, but Lydia. They alluded, uh, Lydia alluded to the fact that, you know, he's Duke of Marmalade and... Uh, ruler of the world's brother and it's very rare Seamus would be too confident in a horse and um, he just said I hope he's better than them so I uh, better I than that horse. it wasn't just that he said I hope he's better than him he said I think he's better I than think him. he's better than them which was yes. which was an extraordinary remark for Seamus Heffernan to make uh, yeah, and I I think Seamus is one of the best judges in the in business. Yeah. Um, and and that's not just I I really do believe that. Yeah. Because um, no, he's he's ridden so many superstars, and it's very hard to impress him because he has so much experience riding wonder horses. So mm. I think when when he was on the front end on this horse, I thought he was happy. Um, I thought he obviously felt. 10 furlongs on soft ground was going to be no problem. And he folded quite tamely. So I don't think we saw Norway's true running. Um, I then thought Sydney Opera House would pick up the pieces. He just, Sydney Opera House is like a horse that could win a good race next year, a big race. I'm not sure it's a ledger. I think he, he could, when we see him as a three-year-old, he might be a different horse. You know, we know his pedigree, he's Satara, so he's, 
he's a brother to Melbourne Cup horse, so he's, he's, it's only natural that he'll improve for a bit of time. And I don't know, he, he could he could be a bit of a different prospect next year, Sydney Opera House. And as Kevin alluded to, he probably will line up in those good mile and a half races next year. And I don't think it might be beyond his reach that he'll get one. Um, Wonderment just really spoiled the party. I didn't see her coming at all. She, you know, she's only a maiden winner coming into the race. She's had her three starts or her two starts, and it was it. It just wasn't in the script. Um, and yeah. Foxtel as well. You know, he he won a maiden, and he was I think he was fourth in a listed race. You know, so he it just wasn't a group one with a lot of strength and depth, and and the favourite underperformed. So it was just quite deflating race. So you're quite forgiving of Norway. Then you would be of the opinion that's not his true running. Oh, I'd expect better from him. Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, that is the uh, Criterium de Saint Cloud. Uh, Aidan O'Brien has mopped it up in the past, but not this time. Uh, we shall continue our our international racing uh, theme by heading to Australia. I actually got up early, 6:15, um, for all the build-up to Mooney Valley. I was expecting to see. Chapman doing live reports and having tomatoes thrown at him and uh, cans of Foster's being poured over his head and all that kind of stuff. They they didn't do that to him because they were probably afraid that if they did go live to him, that's exactly what, what would have happened. Uh, and I'm not sure if he's been allowed out of the country safely or not yet, but um, we can just get a, uh, a quick reprisal, though, of the uh, commentary on the Cox Plate. Rostropovich, the Irish champion, this absolute superstar has the lead, and Ben Bordel is coming by it as well, under the superstar jockey Ashley Murphy. She's going to have a fight on her hands, but look at her, on the bridle, and she's crushing the Europeans. She's making the Europeans cry. Not only the horses, Rostropovich can't go on. He's given it. He's thrown out the tail. And the Europeans, they're getting sick to their stomachs. There's peas and carrots everywhere. We've shown you. Maggie Thatcher, Jeremy Corbyn, Stephen Gerrard, Kevin Blake, Matt Chapman. You boys took one hell of a beating. One hell of a beating. She's the best in the world. Like swords are fourth tax fight. Oh my days. We'll never see another one like her. Absolute champion, to be fair. She, um, yeah, nice. That that echo is the worst effect of all time, <laughs> and you have to stop using it. It's awful. <laughs> no. Um, truly, truly awful. You got into a another spat with uh, our good friend Tim Carroll. Um, <laughs> Not a spat, Tim. You think that's a spat? Oh, oh uh, he described it on on ATR as I was having a conversation with my good friend Kevin Blake. Uh, <laughs> that's all. It, that's all it was. It, the two of you were needling each other away. Um, <laughs> But to be fair, she's gone and done it. She has won a fourth Cox Plate. And I guess, Kevin, in the end, that does justify the decision not to travel to Ascot. Because the the point that I was making at the time was, well, if they come to Ascot, they're probably going to win. But you're deviating from your training regime. 
and it may very well affect her ability to go and get the fourth cox plate and that's what means more to the australians and it means more to chris waller and the owners and she has gone and done it and and she's done it as a seven-year-old mayor as well which must be incredibly difficult to to keep a seven-year-old mayor on the go and interested um frustratingly she's equaled hurricane flies winning run as well which i'm not one ah, that's about. not that's not good that's not comparative that's it's not comparative. been written about today it's been written there, about there, today no, whoever wrote that's an idiot you, that's just not com- it's not comparable you it's tell him kevin you tell him Hurricane fly will we, we had this. Better. What else? What else? Someone else tried to make these stupid comparisons across disciplines. What was it? Something to do with was it Aiden O'Brien's grade one record, group one record? And someone piped up and said, "Well, what about Hurricane Fly and Willie Mullins or something?" Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, terrible, terrible yeah, comparison. It was a fairly nonsensical um, one, all right. But look, she has she's made very, very smooth headway. She's cruised there coming around the bend and and in the end she's just been been way too good for them um ben battle has, has run well but like hugh bowman's blowing kisses to the crowd at the end of it she's she's put on a show she's she's won well um she's won as the foreign book and title to do um she hasn't shown her very best i don't think to do what she didn't need to um yeah look it's great like look at the Australians are, are very much behind her. It's a wonderful winning run she's been on. Um, yeah, like look, I, I I don't think this, you know, clearly from a from a history point of view, the fact that it was her four cock state is, is significant. But in terms of um, a horse race, it's nothing we haven't seen before from her. Um, ben Battle ran probably ran you know close to his form. To be fair to him. Um, and and she she just was better than him, which the form book said she was, and um, yeah, you know I've not much more to say about it than that really. Um, it uh, you know it's always fun to watch the the crowd and all that. You know they're they're really into it. And the Australians, they're they're. I suppose it's it's a kind of a good thing and a bad thing in a way. In that day, like they really weigh in with their stars, like. Like I'd say that there's not many Australians that aren't you know all in on Winks in terms of a, as a, as a star, you know, and it's it's funny on on social media and that because um, you know when if if a debate will call it ever erupts over Winks, and um, the Australians will tend to come back at the the Europeans that are not even having a go at Winks, but just talking about her form quite reasonably, as I think I did my bit last week. And then they'll come back at you with things like, oh, what about that Craigsman? That Craigsman, soft ground water, eh? He ain't never good, is he? <laughs> and it's like they're expecting they're expecting you to get offended by, by them slagging Craigsman. Like, you know, it's just, it's just a bad concept. Like, I don't think in this part of the world... You know, we're probably, uh, you know, I think it's fair to say, like, we're probably very critical of our own stars. You know, I can't think of any situation where there's been a very good horse from Ireland or England that everyone's kind of, Franco's probably the closest thing we've come to, where everyone's kind of gone all in and he's kind of universally been acknowledged as being unbeatable or what have you. Yeah. But uh, I just find that hilarious. You know, oh, cracks me. What about cracks me? It just, it just cracks me up every time. You know, what about cracks me? 
Jesus, yeah. come on, like. Yeah, I couldn't give a fiddlers <laughs> to be completely honest about it. But if it, it's funny though, because if they were to have a go at Hurricane Fly, I would take that as a personal slight and get into a proper Twitter war with them. Uh, and I was, I was getting, uh, I was getting Australian abuse as well to the point where I tweeted at some guy saying, "Go drink a can of Fosters." And, yeah, uh, stuff. And get yourself but the a thing, sense of like, I, I just can't. I, I just can't ever imagine myself like like and I'm a passionate fan of racing, but I can't ever imagine myself getting annoyed with someone, you know, not having a high opinion of a horse that I like. Like it's okay, you know, their opinions. You can have a different one to me, it's fine. Relax. I hope you're wrong, but like geez. But it's not just Australians. You don't need to get excited, lads. It's it's not just Australians, <laughs> Kevin. You you have dealt with international <laughs> broadcasters who've had a go at you for having the temerity the audacity to have a go at Winx. How dare you question Winx? How dare you question the form of what she's beating? Who do you think you are? That's happened yeah. to you. Like, it's so ridiculous. I've said it, I've, I've said, I've said it before. It's, it's a little bit like a religion. And like I say, it's not all bad. Like it's, you know, it's, it's nice in a way. Um, you know, it, cre- it creates a great atmosphere and it, uh, it, it probably brings the sport forward in a, in a positive way. But, um, I, I just don't think that Irish and English people look at it like that. Mm. Um, I'd like we, I don't think <laughs> Irish or English people have ever had a flat horse to get excited over like her. Not I'm going like... to go completely against you here. See, because the, see the stars? See the stars, for me, amazing horse. Retired mm. as a three-year-old. Yeah, good mm. Frankel, unbeaten, absolutely machine. Retired as a four-year-old. I think whatever we want to say about the Australians in this filly, when she does retire, I would love to meet her owners and just say thank you because she's changed the level of what a flat horse can achieve. You know, it's all, it's so easy to retire them to the breeding shed because you're preserving their record and you don't want to be overexposed and you don't want to... You don't want them to get beaten. Mm. You know, sure. For her to stay so genuine, to be so sound, she's the ultimate. I hope when when she passes, she's one of those scientific studies because she's so durable. She's so genuine and she's so brilliant. It was (coughs) when I know that race, Kevin has alluded to the fact that Ben Battle was substandard her. She had every right on form book to beat him. Cubone went around the outside. He could have went around the outside railing just to stay safe because she'd have won anyway. But it was just one of those things where the entire country erupted around the home bend. It was an absolute showcase of, of racing on an international scale because, Emmett, you got up early to watch it. Yeah. Kevin, you watched it. And I watched it before I went out to do my morning stables. That is what racing is about. And... Australia, I have never been there. It's on my bucket list to do it. We could learn a lot from them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The the thousands of fans who packed into Mooney Valley and all they wanted to see clearly was Winks. And they were losing their minds in celebration. I, I, I suppose the closest thing I could recall to it that wasn't Australian was probably Zenyatta. Zenyatta. Probably Zenyatta. Oh, I followed her as well. And... Oh, fabulous. And again, probably to say, you're probably right, Jane, in that 
she kept going until she was six, something like that. And when she got beaten, everybody knew she didn't get beaten because of her ability. She got beaten because of the right. Terrible ride. Ah, no, no, I can't have that. Ah, it was the worst ride. It was an absolute horrendous ride. You gave her every day of her life. Let's not make this about Zenyatta, right? She (laughs) made around 20 lengths from last first. But anyway, I I, just thought I would be really appreciated for what she is in the moment. And 20 years down the line, when people are writing books about her. We we don't want to be in the position whereby, oh yeah, we watched her, you know, we probably didn't appreciate how good she was at the time because we'll never see one like her again. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's just one yeah. of those, Jane. Look, like, the, my, like my thing with Winx, and I don't want to sound like I'm knocking her again because uh, I, I, like I, I'm not a Winx knocker. I just, I just think that I would just be so much happier if she was just meeting horses of comparable ability to herself a bit more often. It would just make the best of what she is. You know, world of class talent, wonder like freakish turn of foot, wonderful durability, um, game connections to keep her in training, but she's never met a horse rated that that ran to higher than one two three or one two two. Mm. Um, and like, uh, and let's let's just say, let's play devil's advocate for a minute. Let's say you had enable, which we do. If she never met a horse rated higher than one two two or one two three. Um, she'd be doing the same sort of thing. She'd look like a she, and I say one, two, two, and one, two, two, three. That's the exception. She's only ever met, I think, six horses that have ran to um, one twenty or higher. You know, it, it's not world class opposition. And if you took, um, like, the best horse around tends to be a one thirty horse, which is what she is. You know, if you took your your enable, um, your Crystal Ocean's a one two eight horse. If you and he's never won a group one in this neck of the woods, but if you put him against uh one eighteen, one nineteen, one twenty horses every time he ran, he'd look like a really, really he'd look like a superstar, you know, every time. And Nabel would look like a superstar every time. And I can't help but think that it certainly has aided Winx's longevity that she doesn't face that that world class opposition be, and be with her style of racing she doesn't have to go very deep down her well um at all is it a, is it a reflection good. on her or is it a reflection on the rest of australian racing that in her 33 wins that she has never as you say met a horse to make her stretch exactly not her fault not no not her fault in the slightest but uh, that's it uh, and that means i'm not knocking her i'm just knocking the circumstances mm. you know because it, it would just it would and that's just me being a you know a picky racing fan but um it's just i think it's a fair statement to make that you know if the thing about enable and you know a roaring line and that there's no hiding place you know, Enable went to run in a group three to prep for the arc and she ends up meeting the, the third highest turf horse in the world, you know, uh, even if they wanted to go to avoid competition actively, it'd be very difficult for them to to, to never meet a horse rated higher than one, two, two. And uh, it would certainly make their life a lot easier. It would probably, it would make them uh, much more durable, I'd imagine. Um, mm. So again, I just You'd it's, like not, to think it's not in... a knock on wings. It's not a knock on wings, but I think it's just important to acknowledge the circumstances in which she's put this 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 amazing winning run together. You know, I think you're you're not you're not being fair if you don't acknowledge those circumstances. And I think that's the like poor Al Chapman, um, and I'll never say those words again in my life. But like he caught an awful <laughs> lot of flack for just for just stating the, for just 
you know, speaking a home truth that shouldn't really be that difficult to acknowledge for anyone, no matter how much of a of a Wings fan you are. Because like you say, Jane, it doesn't, you know, Wings doesn't have to meet champions and beat them to be a champion herself. You know, she's hammering, you know, 120 horses. That's, uh, that's you need to be a world-class racehorse to do that. But, you know, it's perfectly fair to acknowledge the fact that she hasn't been beating world-class opposition. Yeah. Well, that's why. What's the best, what's the best race she just w- before we go off her? Um, you'd imagine Cox Plate would be the best race she wins every year, or that'd be the highest pinnacle of her season. Yeah, I think her. I think the best, the highest rating she ever achieved. Um, off the top of my head was when she she would. It was her second Cox Plate. I think she won by about seven lengths, and then and the fo- and then the fall Hartnell. Hartnell. When did she beat Highland Real? Uh, that um, was the first Cox Plate uh, yeah, when Highland Real was, was a three-year-old. He, he, um, yeah, he finished third. Kevin made a very good point. What was the rating of the horse who finished second that day? Uh, criterion, like it was a, it was a good horse, um, but he's not, he's not world class. Yeah, and he wouldn't be on, on Highland Real's level. So Highland Real really developed into the star that he became as a four-year-old and as a five-year-old, but. Uh, um, not even, not even. He did, but I, I think he just wasn't himself on the day. No. Um, for whatever reason, but yeah. I think that day is her second Cox Plate, and I think the following, the following spring, um, I, I, she beat, um, oh, she beat Le, Le Roman, I think, by, by about eight lengths in a George Ryder. I think, I think those were like her two peak. Um, actually, give me two seconds. I'll just get this off because I want to be accurate here. Well, just as you're doing that, I will say that we were talking about horses that capture the imagination of the public, and the Melbourne Cup is not far away. And again, there will be thousands of Australians and indeed people coming from all over the world to go and see that race. And I probably will get up early to go and watch that race and watch the, my beloved Yucatan uh, go and absolutely bolt up. Yucatan. Who? Yucatan. I'm not familiar with the horse. Oh, you're some idiot. You're gullible, Kennedy. Is, you're is, gullible. Is this is this don't Yucatan? Don't is, is this Yucatan Iyer you're talking about? I oh, don't tell me they've changed his name again. No. Yucatan Iyer. That's his name. Ah, for goodness sake! <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> How was there a horse in Australia called Yucatan before him? Well, well, I wonder whether they call him Yucatan Ire or Yucatan I-R-E. Oh, God. <laughs> and they, I think the, <laughs> the com- it, it surely common sense would prevail with the commentary, at least, and they'll call him Yucatan. Oh, it's wild and absolute shambles. Anyway, he wins the Melbourne Cup. But, um, but, there will but be... yeah, just, bri- just briefly, the 2016 Cox Plate and the 2017 George Ryder, she ran to one three two both those times. Okay, but the thousands of people who will be out for the Melbourne Cup and the millions who will view that around the world says an awful lot. And in terms of horses who capture the public's imagination, I would put forward American Pharaoh because they changed it from being the the triple crown to going for the classic and calling it the grand slam and that was a phenomenal season that he had and people were backing him not to win money they were just backing him so that they could then frame the tote docket and say i was there for the breeders cup classic i was there and i saw him win um and, and the Americans. That's a valid point. Yeah. I think when horses, when racehorses, um, when they go outside 
the 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 normal racing media and uh when I picked up uh Vogue magazine in 2015 and American Pharaoh was on yeah. the cover and was a special feature you knew he was um a bit mm. different and I think the Americans really took him to heart especially cuz his name is so brilliant mm. uh so yeah that's a fair example but he still doesn't have the profile of a winks yeah, like I think the thing with with American Pharaoh is to be fair to the Americans, like they've all they've they you know the triple crown is the thing there, isn't it? And they yes. build up to it every year, and it has been such a long wait and so many close calls with it that when it eventually happened, it was always going to be huge, I suppose. But even to be fair, when just when it happened again, then you know it, it didn't have quite the same buzz, which I suppose is only normal because it was however many years it was before American Pharaoh. And you'd, you'd always get a graduate 30, build. 30-something, wasn't it? Yeah, Camelot was big when he was going for the Triple Crown, wasn't Huge. he? Not as big as American Pharaoh now, but it, it certainly it certainly made a rumble Yeah. Um, at the time for memory. And it, it, there was a real sense of deflation when he got beaten. Oh, stop. Uh, and then oh. when you realise what he got beaten by and the fact that the trainer's been warned off. Oh, sickening! Give him the circumstances of all that is just is is uh, detrimental to racing, you know. Whereas this winks in comparison, I was just because uh, I would admit I'm not uh, I wasn't informed enough about this mare two weeks ago, so I I made it my business to to do a bit of research on her. And you know, last Wednesday she worked in Mooney Valley, and over a thousand people. Yeah. Just racing fans turned out to watch her canter at 6 a.m. Before you get a thousand (laughs) Irish fans to turn up to watch. And that's no insult to them. They have other things to be doing, I'm sure. Um, But it's unheard of on this side of the world. So I I know everybody says racing is huge in Australia and it's this and that. Like, there is proof in the pudding. It's, It's extraordinary... It's an extraordinary nation for their racing. I admire them so much for it. Racing isn't just a back number over there. It's one of their main sports. Yeah. And, you know, maybe maybe we should be looking and taking a leaf out of their book. Yeah, we're, we're bad that way. It's not just racing either, but it's, it's... I don't know what it is about Irish people, especially like that... We, we'll jump on a bandwagon, but geez, if things go wrong, we'll be off it quicker than we get on it. <laughs> well, what we'll do is we'll book... Doreen Garrity to be performing live at a DJ set right after the Irish Champion Stakes. So make sure you come for that because that's what's going to make the weekend. Not the fact that Roaring Lion is going to come on and take on Saxon Warrior again. Not the fact that Alpha Centauri is going to be bidding for yet another Group 1. No, no, no. Let's talk about the fashion show and the other stuff. It's just Get your get your priorities right, please. Um, is Winx going to race on again next year? That's the, that's the chat, isn't it? You know, she, everyone associated with her seems to be off the view that she's certainly as close to as good as ever. So why not? You know, you've come this far, kick on. Um, like from a, purely from a form perspective, you can make an argument that she maybe is a step slower this season. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, kick on, have a go in the autumn. Um, it's the natural thing to do. She didn't have a tough prep this spring, uh, as it is in Oz. Um, so yeah, why not give it a go? Okay. Then. Um, I, there's there's nothing like to be to be brutally honest. There, 
there's not a whole lot emerging down there. I don't think that she could be afraid of. Mm. Um, so yeah, keep 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 the the, the carnival rolling forward. It's doing great things for the game down there. So Jane, what do you think is most likely? The fact that Winx travels, be it to Royal Ascot, Hong Kong, Dubai, America, or that some elite trainer who's got a good horse, Crystal Ocean maybe, decides to go down to Mooney Valley because they look at that carrot of £1.7 million and a pretty decent runner-up prize of £433,000. That's sterling. What's more likely, that she comes towards us or that we send a better horse to her? Well, there's no chance of her travelling now. You know, if she's mm. a seven rising eight year old, good looking tanks, they're not going to change her routine now. Yeah. Um she's she's amassed over twenty four million Australian dollars, uh, because uh the top horses around the world, like you've alluded to, probably haven't taken her on, uh, with the exception of a minority. So yeah, I would like to see a, a Crystal Ocean or an American proper American horse take her on. But mm. You know, they're going to be taken around in their own back garden in her circumstances, on her terms. And while there's a very lovely pot for finishing second, nobody remembers who finished the second. If you have the money to send a horse to a different hemisphere, you know, you're you're probably going to win. You're trying to win. You're not going to finish second. So a lot of people will see her and uh, just love to be part of her story. And if you have a horse that you think could, could give her a run for it, you want to be part of that because chances are you have the money to just enjoy it anyway. Um, yeah. So look, I, I'd like to see that happen. Whether it does or not, it's not going to be, like we said, it's not Winx's fault if they don't take her on. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that to be fair. Um, Oshin Murphy yeah. was second to Hugh Bowman uh, in the Cox Plate. He was also second to him on Spirit of Valor behind Brave Smash in the uh, Manicato Stakes, Group 1. Manicato. Manicato. Let's go with that so instead. Uh, U.S. Navy flag, bitterly disappointing. Uh, again, missed the kick and finished stone last, out with the washing. But uh, to be fair, Kev, Spirit of Valor has run an absolute stormer here for Ireland again. Yes, has. It's, it's, it's funny, like, because, you, you know, going over... And I think anyone that, that pays attention to European Forum, you know, wouldn't have had Spirit of Valor um, in the vicinity of US Navy flag. And, and maybe they're not on their best days, but Spirit of Valor has, has clearly taken to um, the racing in Australia thus far a little bit better than US Navy flag. He's hitting the gates well. He's shown early speed. And, you know, this looked to be very much on for, for quite a while. Um, you know, I think the... The perception down in Oz would be that the, their best sprinters probably contested the Everest and um, and that this maybe wasn't the strongest group one um, by their standards. And um, you, you kind of hope that's the case with, with Spirit of Valor finishing, finishing on top of them. But um, one thing I would say with US Navy flag is, you know, he's twice disappointed now um, and twice let himself down at the gate. But um, I believe there's a target coming up for him in the near future, um, over a straight six at Flemington, and um, and that might show him to better effect than these first than these last couple of races he's contested. Okay. Um, clearly going going to need to be sharper out of the gate. I'm sure they'll be working on that as best they can down there. Um, but you know this clearly isn't a reflection of of his true ability. 
and um, and they'll give her give him another rattle down there. I suspect. It would be nice to see him bow out with the win there because he's he's obviously going to retire, being a son of of Warfront, and um, I'm sure they want him to be popular for the. Uh, the New South Wales base of Coolmore, as well as the the American uh, base as well. He's a July Cup winner, so hopefully he um, he can indeed uh, grab a, a Group One down there before he retires. But so far, he's been quite disappointing. Uh, did you watch this race, Jane? I did. Um, I thought Spirit of Valor did everything right. He he kind of possesses the credentials that you need for one of those races on those, let's be honest, bad tracks. You know, there's no home straight, you're into the bend straight away and if you're not prominent, you're you know, it pays to be prominent in those races and he travelled and, and from you know, realistically the draw beat him. He was widest of all and he Oshin did well to get him forward and into a nice position, tree off the rail. Um it was a, a very good run. I was shouting for him. It was unfortunate he got caught, but at least he gave him a run because, you know, as we say, the favour disappointed. And talk about strength and numbers. Um, you know, Spirit of Valor ran very well on his debut down there uh, two weeks ago. So it was no great surprise that he ran well again. Um, it was just unfortunate he got caught. I thought it was it was a really good performance. Yeah. I, 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 wouldn't, call it a, I wouldn't call it a bad track, Jay. I think that's unfair. I... You know, if I had a good greyhound, I'd run in there. <laughs> I'd bring a good dog I, I'll there. I'll say nothing. I think uh, you uh, you basically just confirmed what I said. <laughs> yeah, Kevin does not like Mooney Valley one bit and will tell anybody who will listen to him. He does not care one It's a ridiculous bit. track, lads. Group ones around that track. Come on. Stupid track. Um, so yeah, Spirit of Valor and uh, Oshin Murphy giving them an absolutely cracking ride in the Coolmore Silks as well. Now, Cheltenham was on over the weekend. Um, we are not going to discuss National Hunt Racing unless, Jane, you want to briefly talk about the fact that Getaway Katie May was beaten on her hurdling debut, which I was shocked by. Yeah, it's not, look, it's not unheard of that a horse gets beaten on their seasonal debut and they go on to better things. And I think she might be a prime example. Like, uh, I, I did think she'd win. Um, it was unfortunate that Tin Tangle kind of, you know, she she was out of it before we knew what was going to materialise. Um, but look, I'm expecting better from Getaway Katie May. Just the way she won in, in entry, she's got loads of boot and we just didn't see that. So mm. I hope uh, the next time she's over hurdles, we, we see a slicker version of her. Get her. Yeah, and I, I I quickly mentioned blow by blow as well because he made a winning chasing debut. He did um, in the race after that, and you know I, I wasn't I wasn't impressed by him. I was hoping like he's a horse I'd like. You know we've talked about him for the for the four miler. Um, I'd hope he'd do better than this going forward. Now I just wasn't in love with his jumping. I just thought he was minding himself. He was a bit safe. He was a bit out to the left at times. I know it can be tough for a horse now to, to make the running on their chasing debut, but I just would like to see him be a bit braver next time. And I'm sure looking at a better race, he probably won't set out to make the running next time. But um, yeah, I just I wasn't as impressed as, I'd ho- as I was hoping I'd be with him. He won by 17 lengths, Kev. Yeah, but you, you, I, I, like a, I like a good pick, as you know, Kennedy. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at these horses, you know, he's, he was expected to win. Um, on, on all known form and 
you know, with these horses starting off over fences, I would pay particular attention to their jumping technique. And he was just a bit safe. Like, it's not that he was he was ballooning them, but he was just taking an extra stride, steadying himself into them. Um, I like to see even even a horse that's a real stayer like him. You'd like to see him just be a, a small bit more attacking. Uh, he was a bit out to the left as well. I look, I as long-term listeners will know, I can be exceedingly picky with these with these good horses making chasing debuts. But yeah, I, I just, yes. I just came away from it. With, mm, mm, you know, we'll, we'll we'll judge him on next time because next time he'll probably have something to give him a lead and better company, and he might well be a different proposition. But just based on this, I'm just. Uh, I'm just not as jiggy as I was now going into it. Okay, well, as you pointed out on Thursday's show, presenting Percy and Don Cossack uh, have won this race in recent years. So um, lofty targets. No, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure whatsoever. Um, somewhere, Vanessa Ryle is throwing a very expensive shoe at her phone because we're not talking about modus. Throwing uh, a shoe at her phone. <laughs> she's... Uh, Louis Vuitton is heading straight for her iPhone. Uh, how dare we not talk about Modus? Um, to be fair, he was he was good. Um, he gets up by a head to beat Duke of Navan. She absolutely loves that horse. And uh, I'm pretty certain that the next time Vanessa's on the show, she will just straight away launch into Modus mode and say, how dare you not talk about him? Uh, but one of the things that we do want to talk about uh, from Cheltenham is... Two incidents on Friday, and I'm reminded um, very much of being in the parade ring with you, Kevin, and um, and watching Shattered Love, who you had tipped up at 14s on the podcast, and we getting all excited, and then all of a sudden it looked as though she was going to run out and go and do another circuit, and uh, thankfully... Thankfully, Jack Kennedy was able to correct things and keep her on the straight and narrow. But that's not what happened with one for Billy against the former William Mullins trained Diakali, who's now with uh, Gary Moore. And it's also not what happened with the um, Irish pronounced horse, who I won't even <laughs> begin to try. Um, there you go. That'll do. Uh, so Jeez. not just once, but twice on the same day at Cheltenham, you have these utter disasters of a mistake being made. And we've spotted the same fella on three separate occasions holding the tape. He's in, don't think we didn't see you, Mr. Corduroy Pants, uh, in your, in your kind of dark cream corduroys. The whole thing's an absolute farce, Kevin. Um, yeah, look, it's very unsatisfactory. And look, this situation has been unsatisfactory for a long time. Um, and sure, look, Jane knows better than anyone. Uh, people will remember Os Oscar Delta doing the same thing. And they made some changes in the aftermath of that. They, they put in a, a tape instead of a piece of twine and I think they, they fixed it a bit higher. Um, and it's just a pity that it's taken two incidents on the same day to really, to to really Im implore them to make a change, and they did um, for Saturday. And look, you, you, some people want to knock the horses, they want to knock the jockeys, but 
it's it's silly. You know, the the horse can't be knocked for thinking he's gonna he has to go out in the second circuit, um, or sometimes even a third circuit. You know, having passed that point, um, previously in races, and you know, it's it's the course's job to make sure that that there's enough of a barrier there to to let to leave the horse in no doubt as to what's expected of him. And uh, look, going back on Saturday, they had a proper rail there. It should have been like that all the time. I know there's there's some practical um, issues with uh, with doing that, but I I, I don't think it, it's a barrier to, to doing it. And I I hope and expect that um, going forward, that's what they'll do, um, because you just don't need things like this. It's unnecessary. It's avoidable. It's not good enough at a place like Cheltenham where standards are so high in 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 so many other regards. And hopefully this is the last what we see of this because it was just it was tough on the O'Sullivan's, um, it was tough on Dan Skelton earlier on the card, um, it, it, but it's especially tough on the O'Sullivan's in the in the amateur race, um, and look hopefully this this is the last time we see it because what once is too many times. Well, Michael O'Sullivan looked <sighs> unconsolable. He was in tears. And and I think it was Eugene who was over to him straight away to to give him a hug, but he was he was bawling, and um, and I wouldn't blame him to be fair. But also he suffered a horrific fall, like he could have been seriously injured, as could have been the jockey uh, on one for Billy. Harry Skelton could have been seriously injured as well, and the horses could have ended up with serious injuries. Um, Jane, you you tweeted about this. Uh, on on the day, what are are you just disappointed that this has not been properly rectified by the home of jumps racing? Um, well, without going into too much depth on it, um, I stand by what I said in my tweet. Um, I felt that was self-explanatory enough, and uh, I just um disappointed that somebody else would have to experience the. Uh, whirlwind of emotions that we did um and you know there's enough things in this life that are unavoidable that we cannot control get the fundamentals right it's very simple yeah yeah could not agree with you more jane um and it's amazing how they can have that that rail there in the saturday but uh to not have it in place on the friday is just absolutely ridiculous and yeah look it's, it's a sad fact of life that sometimes you need um you need something kind of shocking to happen um and sometimes you need it to happen twice on the same day clearly to, to actually get some action on things but look hopefully that this is just the end of it um it, it you know there's been this has been become an issue too many times now we've seen close calls with it as you mentioned shattered love Last year, you know, imagine if that had happened, or last season, I should say, imagine if that had happened in the JLT, um, and it's just unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It is avoidable, as Jane says. And look, hopefully, enough is enough, and and they finally realise how important this is, and and they sort it out. Yeah, well said. Well said by both of you. Um, so pretty big weekends racing coming up. Uh, we've got Ascot where the uh the listed chase uh and the listed handicap hurdle uh but more importantly we've got down royal which has obviously been in the spotlight for the wrong reasons lately and the jnwine.com champion chase where we will see the seasonal reappearance of balco to flow that is i assume if there's uh 
rain and the drought doesn't continue. Um, it's bizarre that there's been no rain in Ireland at this time of year and that we're complaining about it because <laughs> it's it's good ground. Uh, but he's scheduled to run uh, at Down Royal. Uh, Paul Nichols will be doing his usual trip over. Clan de Sobo uh, currently entered. And uh, Alpha de Sobo, who is part of that team, moved from um mouse morris to gordon elliott is uh is also in there as is the mighty don poley uh, uh, you finally noticed don poley uh could be making his seasonal reappearance oh that'd be absolutely fantastic and good old uh, hashtag, hashtag fear the ears oh fear the ears and good old coney gree uh will be another non-runner on the day i should imagine <laughs> uh, as well and we will also have the breeders cup to talk about too so the draw for the classic was made today and the woman who has made the most inspirational speech about mendelssohn which caused you all to go to your banks and withdraw every <laughs> single cent and pence that you have and place it on him on the nose to go and win and get the job done Jane Mangan, what's the draw looking like for Mendelssohn? Well, to give us a bit of perspective, Thunder Snow and Roaring Lion, drawn one and two respectively. The main American contenders are probably Catholic Boy and McKenzie. Catholic Boy is stall six. Um, Discreet Lover, stall 13. Actually, not sure where McKenzie is. But Mendelssohn is in between. He's stall nine. So he's going to have to break quick and get out because we don't want to be in a situation where we see what happened to US Navy flag and what happened mm. Mendelssohn in the Kentucky Derby. But look, he's had the experience over there now. He's no excuses in that regard. He's raced plenty on dirt. Let's give it hell. Aye, aye. Let's give it hell. <laughs> let's get over there and let's take their race. It's our time. It's Ireland's oh. turn. We win the Breeders' Cup Classic. It's actually falling in nicely. 9.44 uh, the race will be off at. Live on, exclusively live on At The Races. And uh, I think the current best price about Mendelssohn is 9 to 1. Uh, it was pointed out on Twitter that Mendelssohn was 14 to 1. This is a, uh, this is a true story. It was pointed out on the tweet machine that Mendelssohn was 14 to 1. Until Jane Mangan gave her speech, <laughs> and then he was immediately cut by major firms to nine to one. Some kept him at double digits, but only just at ten to one. So, Jane, you have inspired two nations the nation of Britain and Republic of Ireland to support Mendelssohn in his bid and his quest for glory and he will dot up just like he did at the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf last season and in the UAE Derby earlier this season. This is his time. Mendelssohn wins the Classic for Aidan O'Brien. <laughs> Cannot wait for it. Uh, we're going to talk about the Breeders' Cup with Nick Luck tomorrow. We'll be talking about the Breeders' Cup and getting the Americans' perspective from Peter T. Fornital on Wednesday as well. Uh, and I guess we have to do a weekend preview for you because there's so much going on. So um, you'll have loads of stuff from Kevin 
and myself over the next few days. In the meantime, Jane Mangan, thank you so, so much for being with us again. Very much enjoyed your company and looking forward to your next appearance on the show. A pleasure. Um, I, I suspect if uh, if Mendelssohn bums out, this is probably my last appearance on my <laughs> podcast. Like, thank you all for listening and uh, enjoy the Breeders' Cup. Well, you see, the thing is, uh, we'll give you a month and you'll have to come on and then do like a Jeremy Kyle style apology um, that you were you you're never wrong. You're just sometimes mistaken and that on this occasion you were mistaken. Well, look, Jane, I, if, I if, would, if Harry Durham could bounce back from tipping that Paul Nichols bumper horse. <laughs> yeah, that terrible. Absolute fact. <laughs> yeah, absolute fact. Where did it well, all go look, wrong? I'm willing. Harry? I'm willing to go down with the Mendelssohn ship. It's it's for uh, it's for a good good reason. <laughs> yes, it's it's all for a good cause. Our own pockets and profit. Uh, speaking of Harry Derham, he will be back on the show next week. So uh, we'll be doing a, a bit of a jumps chat next week as well. So from Jane Mangan. Jane. What are we waiting for? For you to say goodbye. <laughs> oh, from Jane Mangan. Okay, go on. Good luck. <laughs> Enthusiastic as ever from Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from me, Emmett Kennedy, thank you so, so much for listening. And once again, uh, genuinely mean it. Thank you so, so much for all the kind words on social media as well. It really does mean a lot. We will chat to you very, very soon on the final Furlong podcast tomorrow in fact with Mr. Nick Luck live from the States chat to you then God bless the final Furlong podcast is sponsored by Unibet sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer begambleaware.org 18 plus have you downloaded the free app the races app yet with easy to use race cards and form expert daily tips plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fans phone should be without Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile. Visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.